Welcome to Odd Drummer Gaming, the podcast about stuff. My name is Edmund. In this episode, I'm going to try to do a commentary on the movie Mortal Kombat from 1995. I'm going to get it started right away because it's apparently an hour and 41 minutes. So if you want to watch... Oh gosh, I'm messing up already. <clears throat> if you want to watch or listen along... Um, start the movie Mortal Kombat 1995. Start it right now and then pause it right away at the first frame. I have it, um, the subtitles say Mortal Kombat exclamation mark and there's like darkness in the background with clouds. So I'm going to go 1, 2, 3, play and we're going to go 1, 2, 3, play and we're off. All right, ready? 1, 2, 3, play. You have that infamous music going. I remember um, being in high school and going to a school dance. And that song came on and everyone got excited. And I had never seen the movie, so I was like, what the fuck is going on? Um, anyway, the credits are rolling. There's some fire going on. I'm going to start with the movie beat. Um, I'm going to talk about Jaws for a little bit. At this point, I watched it a week ago. And um, like I've mentioned many times before, my memories sucks. So I, I wish I had spoken about this um, right after I watched it, but I, I didn't. Uh, I did mention I wanted to... Well, here's Louis Kang's brother... Going against um, Shen Sung, I think. Um, I wanted to watch a the documentary called "The Shark Is Still Working." I still haven't watched that yet, but I don't want to postpone talking about Jaws anymore. Um, why it took me to twenty twenty two to watch Jaws for the first time? I I don't have a good reason for that. I was born in 1985. So I was born 10 years after this movie came out, Jaws. Um, I was also a pupupupuse when I was a child, so I probably didn't want to watch scary things, and I just never got around to it. But I finally watched it now because... Kevin Smith mentioned on Smodcast um, that documentary. Here's first appearance of Louis Lou Kang. So just a little background, as if anyone needs background on the 1975 Jaws, but it came out in 1975. It's listed as an American thriller film directed by Steven Spielberg, based on the 1974 novel by Peter Benchley. It also stars uh, Richard Dreyfuss, Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw. I I like Jaws a lot. <clears throat> I usually edit out when I cough or clear my throat or gross, airy, phlegmy sounds, but we're doing a commentary. Uh, I, I hated this line. There's only one person I trust, Jax, and you're talking to her. 
It's one of the biggest things I didn't like about this movie is the dialogue. It's 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 very cheesy. I found this movie much more cheesy than Street Fighter, and Street Fighter came out, I believe, 1994. So I, I don't know how to explain that. Um, back to Jaws, but I felt like it. I felt like it was a little long and a little slow, but I think that was necessary. You had to have. You had to establish like this town the characters, what's going on, and it's this slow build-up to to the third act of the movie. But I did like it a lot. Um, first time, I, I didn't recognize Roy Scheider, so I don't think I've ever seen him in anything. Um, I believe he was in um, All That Jazz, which I've never seen. Richard Dreyfus, I've... I recently saw him in that movie with um, Dakota Fanning and Wanda Maximoff. I think it's called Very Good Girls. He played the father of Wanda, and spoiler alert, he ends up dying. But um, And he's inexplicably married to Demi Moore. Um I, I briefly want to talk about Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw, this performance to me is one of the best performances I've ever witnessed on film. He plays Quint, and it's probably one of the best characters I've ever seen on film. Um, I just thought it was amazing. I mean, talk about disappearing into a role, you know? Um, I hope my clicks aren't overwhelmingly annoying here's the first per, um, appearance of Luke I almost said Luke Cage uh, Johnny Cage very uh, very cheesy let's dance um, so back to Jaws Robert Shaw playing Quint the the fingernails on the chalkboard I, I believe I watched this movie and I believe that guy existed on the screen. Incredible performance. Um, I don't think he was nominated for anything for this movie. Um, and of course, there's no nifty little chart on the Wikipedia page. It's um, won three Academy Awards. Best Film Editing, Best Original Dramatic Score, Best Sound. Um, it was nominated for Best Picture, losing to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Um, Spielberg greatly resented the fact that he was not nominated for Best Director. John Williams won the Grammy Award, BAFTA Award for Best Film Music, and Global Globe Award, Golden Globe Award. Um, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he was. I don't see anything listed about Robert Shaw. I, I've never seen him before or in, in anything. I just thought it was an incredible performance. Um, I'm hesitant to call it a three-person play at the end. It just, it, it was so epic that that third act on that boat 
um, it was very good. I, I liked it a lot. Also, I wanted to mention that Steven Spielberg, I associate with schmaltz, you know, especially watching that documentary on um, Steven Spielberg. I'm sure I'm saying it wrong. But, you know, did he direct E.T.? Um, why, why don't I know that? I should just know that. Um, you know, E.T., um, Jurassic Park, he's done a bunch of very good movies, obviously. But I, Ready Player One, to quote a recent movie, I associate him with schmaltz. And it's funny that this movie, which is at at the time, like the biggest grossing movie at the time, and he, it's very, it's very vicious to me. <coughs> um, I'm going to drink some water. Like Roy Scheider's looking through that book of shark injuries. Um, there's some jump scares, which... You know, Spielberg has done jump scares like in Jurassic Park. But there's a viciousness to Jaws that I just wasn't expecting from him. And it's, I would consider it a horror movie. They list it as a thriller, but there's there's some, there's a few moments in the movie that caused me to, to jolt. I didn't really say much out of my mouth. I didn't scream, but my whole body like jolted. Um... And, you know, it's a very good movie. I, I, I wonder why, you know, um, Pat Walsh of We'll See You in Hell, he mentioned that there's a director, auteur, I forget the term he made, but the term he used, but there's a term to describe that the movie is all about the director or everything is owed to the director. And obviously, everyone associates Jaws with um, Spielberg. But I have never heard of Peter Benchley before. And, you know, and like Pat said, without the writer, you have no movie. So I, I, I of course, appreciate Spielberg for making a great movie. But why haven't I heard of Peter Benchley before, who, who wrote the novel... Um, and he also contributed or co-wrote the screenplay along with Carl Gottlieb. Uh, spoiler alert if you haven't read the book, but at the end, I believe, um, what's Richard Dreyfuss, Richard, Richard Dreyfuss's character's name? Hooper? Um, anyway, Dreyfuss's character uh, dies in the book along with Quint <coughs> not at the same time but so it's interesting that he survived so here's the first uh, appearance of Raiden I want to talk about Raiden but I will get to him more in the when I talk about other movies I've seen in the mo movie beat Moving on from Jaws, let me highlight it green on my Excel sheet. I watched Top Gun Maverick um, 
I don't even know where to begin with this movie, but this movie this movie was so fucking good. Um, I watched it in the theater. Oh, I, I forgot to mention in, in the previous episode that my wife and I watched the original Top Gun from 1986 or whatever. And then we watched Inventing Anna. And I remember thinking, like, who's this Ellen Reed character, actor? He's very good. He's like a character actor. He's agitated at every scene. He's he's very good. I look him up. It's Anthony Edwards. Unrecognizable from his goose days. And you see pictures with Tom Cruise and Anthony Edwards now. And Anthony Edwards looks like he could play Tom Cruise's father. That's not... Um, that's not a slight at Anthony Edwards. Um, I don't mean anything mean by that. I just mean that Tom Cruise looks essentially the same and Anthony Edwards looks much worse and he's looks older and he's gained weight. That's all I mean by that. Anyway, Top Gun Maverick, we, we couldn't wait to see it in the theater um, we actually got tickets and then had to cancel, so we watched it a few days later. And we we just loved it. I loved it so much. And as of the recording of this podcast, um, Top Gun Maverick has is the number one movie in 2022. It has beaten both The Batman, which was surprising, but believable but it also beat doc strange 2 which was even more surprising and a little unbelievable um but it's a really good movie i insist you check it out if you haven't yet um here's the first exchange between johnny cage and Liu kang some more cheese dialogue throw it in the water um, so, I mentioned during my Top Gun review that I had a little trouble getting into the movie, like, because in my head I was like, I don't, I know Tom Cruise isn't in this jet, you know, it, it's just a movie, and it reminded me of the Twilight Zone thing, lower, lower, get lower, and I, I didn't look into it in terms of the original Top Gun. Maybe they were, maybe they weren't. But also, I was watching it on my home TV, and the sound system is not great. And I I attributed to watching it in the theater, but I, I really felt that Tom Cruise and these characters, these actors, were in these jets. And I did look it up a little bit, and they they did go up in jets because they had cameras up there and the... Producers said that the actors had to direct themselves, so I guess someone else was piloting them. But when the footage you see is is them really in the jet, which is like, it's impressive and also like, at what point do, does the actor say, you know, you know, you know, I'm an actor, I I'm not a pilot, I I don't know, but it is impressive the lengths that they they went to to achieve this. Um, this movie, it's a really good movie. Um, and actually, 
Miles Teller, I didn't, you know, I love the movie Whiplash. And I am a failed drummer myself. So I could relate to a lot of the aspects in the movie. But I didn't really buy him in the role. I think he was interchangeable. Anyone could have um, played that role, in my opinion. Here's the first uh, conversation between Johnny Cage and Sonia. Out of my way. More cheese. If you haven't guessed, uh, I'm not a big fan of this movie, uh, Mortal Kombat. But in Top Gun Maverick, I, I don't want to spoil it if you haven't seen it, but it's it was very good. Also, a uh, shout out to Monica Barbaro uh, for no reason at all. Just a uh, shout out to her. Basically, the... You know, the, the movie is almost like a, a a morality tale for, like, um, old, I don't know the right way to say it, but old dogs still have a few tricks up their sleeves, if that makes sense. Um, like, new uh, kids are, the new generation have things to contribute as well, but the, you know, don't count the old man out, again, I would say. Oh, oh yeah, Miles Teller. Miles Teller, I like, but I liked him a lot in this, so it's the first time I liked Miles Teller. I haven't seen a ton of Miles Teller movies. He was Mr. Fantastic, which I, I remember liking the movie just because the reviews for it were so bad, but I'm afraid to rewatch it again. Here's Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Um, the effects on Scorpion are... I'm just going to go ahead and say terrible. They're terrible. Um, the effects all around in this movie are, are not great. And, you know, I don't want to hate too badly, but it does bring down the movie. Like, the effects are, are not great. And it was 95, so... It, you know... It's not like the 80s or the 70s. Um, so Miles Teller was great. Um, Monica Barbero was great. Tom Cruise is great. Val Kilmer, nice to see him in this. Um, Meg Ryan and Kelly McGillis were not asked were not invited back for the sequel, which is um, interesting. But if you haven't seen it, check it out. You just, you really feel the story was great. The writing was great. Um, I liked it a lot. That's all I can really say. It, it reminded me of my experience with um, Mad Max Fury Road. It was so exhilarating. Fury Road, it was something special because both my wife and I, neither of us had any interest in watching the movie, but we were perplexed by the 98, 97% Rotten Tomatoes rating. So we watched it and it blew us away. This one, we were very interested in watching and it blew us away. I mean, talk about being on the edge of your seats. Movies don't really do that to me anymore. They don't affect me in that way. 
Um, but I liked it a lot. It was like, it was one of those like cheer from your seats. Surprisingly, there was like at max 10 people in the theater when we watched it, maybe less. But all across the world, people are raving about this movie, movie and they're, they're correct. We are at the scene where Raiden is addressing our three heroes, Johnny Cage, Sonya Blade, and Louis Kang. So I did something a little different for this movie beat. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife. This movie came out in 2021. I watched it on Hulu. I have a Stars subscription. I liked Ghostbusters Afterlife a lot. Um, I thought it was very fun. The thing that... Um, the biggest hang-up I have about Ghostbusters Afterlife is... I never like stories or movies where kids are the heroes i just i just don't like it um because i because i think if this was real life kids would either run away or they would try and then die or get hurt they would die immediately or like their arms would get chopped off or decapitated right away you know what i mean so like i'm not sure if i've ever seen goonies in its entirety front to back but that's not my genre at all i liked season one and season two of stranger things but that that's still hanging it's my biggest hang up i haven't seen season three i heard it was a drop off i've heard season four is back to form a return to form if you will um that being said, I still found it to be a, an enjoyable movie. Um, McKenna Grace steals the movie. She's very good in it. Finn Wolfhard, you know, he's fine. Um, let me look up the cast. Ghost Busters Afterlife. Um... Cast. Um, you know, it's hard for me to like a little kid, but Logan Kim as podcast was fine. You know, he's fun. He had some funny moments. Celeste O'Connor, I recognized from Freaky. She was very good in Freaky. She was fine. You know, you you have these kids trying to destroy these creepy ghosts and it's just in my head i'm just like you know it's a fun movie fun story but um uh, really kids are gonna beat them i don't know oh if uh, let me i have to update my list i apologize give me one second dragon there's Johnny Cage eating it in in the water. Um, so I like Ghostbusters. Um, I feel like they should end it. I don't, I don't really feel like they should keep going with it. You know, they 
I watched the first one with my wife in the past few months in preparation for this new movie. I didn't feel the need to have her watch the second movie, so we didn't. And we actually watched the all-girl one a while ago, and it was it was fine. We didn't love it. Um, so Afterlife was fun. It, it was like an, a fun adventure movie. <coughs> and I, I, I didn't really notice that. And here's the thing. I, I guess I've become a stickler. Stickler, is that the right word? For when you introduce like these old heroes, they're just standing there. Like you have these kids in peril and the mom in peril and... And then you introduce Bill Murray, like, did you miss us? And they're just standing there. Like, I feel like you they could have written in a better, some sort of better hero moment for them. But I don't know. I feel the same way with Spider-Man Homecoming. I don't know. Or not, Sp- Spider-Man No Way Home. Perdon, perdoname. I want to talk briefly about Carrie Coon. I don't know her. I'm unfamiliar with her. I thought she did fine, but I want to talk more about the the character. This mom, <laughs> one of the worst moms I've ever. All right, hold on. We got Kitana, Princess Kitana. Um, beautiful girl. Uh, let's move on. This mom, like, so the beginning of the movie. Well, the the movie opens with um, Egon, but not Egon, fighting off a ghost and and dying. And uh, here's some of the worst computer effects ever created. Um, reptile looks terrible, and so Egon dies at the beginning of the movie. And this mom is like, "We're broke." They don't mention her job or her career. She's like, "We're broke. We have no money, so we're moving into this." dirt farm in the middle of nowhere and she's just she's an attractive lady and i get the attraction between her and ant-man but um at one point she's talking to her daughter and she goes your grandfather was an asshole welcome to the family i'm like this mom is terrible and yeah, I get she she has trauma with her father leaving her and not paying attention to her, but she's just talk about just a bitch of a mom who's just terrible. I uh, I I can't say I didn't like her. I think she was meant to be kind of just not a great mom, not providing adequately for her kids and just I don't know. It it was almost funny in a way. Like can this mom get her shit together for 2 seconds? Um, but, you know, other than that, I did like the movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. I, 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 I wish they would just end it. You know, I don't, I don't really want to see another one, but there it is. Um, what's next? All right. So I said I did something a little different. So I watched three movies that are considered influences for the Mortal Kombat game. So if you're watching the movie, we're at this big banquet 
um, at, on the island, uh, on the Mortal Kombat island. And they're about to do some sort of demonstration with Sub-Zero. So I watched Zoo Warriors from the Magic Mountain from 1983. It wasn't streaming anywhere, so I found it on archive.org. I'm sure you can find it if you just Google it. And I thought this movie was pretty fun. I couldn't tell you the plot. I couldn't remember it. I couldn't understand it as it was happening. Let me see if there's a short plot summary. Zoo Warriors from Z Magic Mountain. So you got this guy flexing in a mask and Sub-Zero is going to about to freeze his ass to death. Um, so Zoo Warriors is from 1983. Direct. It's a supernatural wuxia. 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 Sorry, apologize. I don't know how to pronounce it. Sub Zero. Um, there's his head. Directed by Sui Hark. Um, this film has been noted for combining elements of Hong Kong action cinema with special effects technology powered by a team of Western artists, including Robert Blaylack. It served as an influence for the 1986 American film Big Trouble in Little China. Um, Alright, the premise is very short. During the Tang Dynasty, army deserter Dick Ming Kei, who was chased by vampires in the mountain of Zhu, is rescued by Master Ding Yan and becomes his pupil. When they were ambush ambushed by the Blood Devil, Devil chasers Siu Yu and his pupil Yat Jan came to their assistance. They manage to hold off the Blood Devil, but they need to find the dual swords to destroy it. Master Ding took the wounded Siu Yu to Celestial Fort and sought help from the mistress, but was in turn poisoned by the Blood Devil and he surrendered to the Dark Force. Will Ming Kei and Yat Jan find the dual swords and destroy the blood devil i d didn't understand that premise i gotta be honest with you um but if you watch the movie it, it almost doesn't matter you know there's a bunch of special e special effects and um chinese martial arts that it's fun to watch it's like a wonder to watch and I just remember that the editing, there's a lot of fast cuts in it. And it you almost you almost get lost in it, but in a good way. Like it was it's a it's a fun it's a fun watch. Samo Hung in there, always fun to see him. Um, if you're watching along the movie, there's Goro's Shadow. Samo Hung I don't really I know he's a legend in that genre. Um, and he's worked with Jackie Chan. He's been in a bunch of movies. Um, I remember him recently from the Ip Man movies. Um, but it's fun to see him. I didn't really recognize anyone else. But here's this. If you're watching along the movie, it's the three heroes watching um, Kano talk to Goro and I believe Shang Tsung is going to come in 
eventually. And I was reading that this is one of the biggest influences for the Mortal Kombat game. And you really feel that, just the look of the characters, the costuming. And... <sighs> Hello? What? Fucking rude ass wife. She's gonna call again. I guarantee you. I guarantee you she's gonna call again. Um, so, in terms of the movement, like, I keep picturing, like, characters moving horizontally, like, flying through the air with the greatest of ease. Kind of like the, the spinning torpedo of M. Bison. But the way it's done in Mortal Kombat, I feel like I feel like I could feel the influence from this movie, Zoo Warriors from the Magic Mountain. I, I believe hats were being thrown about as well as projectile weapons. So I, I feel like I could really feel the inspiration and the origins of Mortal Kombat coming through in, in from this movie. Um, and it, it's. It's again. It's fun to watch. I remember uh, my music teacher from college. He was like, "Did you? Did anyone see Hero? Like, it's a beautiful movie. Beautiful movie. Um, as a man massacres hundreds of people, but it's beautiful." Um, that I guess I was reminded me of that. I was reminded of that quote. So, like, I I couldn't really understand a lot what was going on, and the plot was a little hard to follow, but at least it was fun, you know? At least I can say that. And this movie was a, an influence on John Carpenter's 1986 film Big Trouble in Little China, which is my next um, movie. I have to say that Big Trouble in Little China did not work on me in a big way. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was my mood. Um, for some reason, I bought it on Vudu. This movie came out in 1986. I'm, I'm guessing either Pat or Joe mentioned that they liked the movie, that they had fun. Um, that's why I bought it. I probably bought it for four ninety nine on Vudu because there's no other conceivable conceivable reason I would buy that movie. But I bought it, and I, I tried watching it with my wife a long time ago, and we got, you know, we got through the intro, but we didn't get any further than that. But this time, I watched it all the way through. My dogs are barking, and I don't know what to do about it. Jesus Cristo. The fucking mail comes and these dogs go nuts. Um, anyway, so I watched Big Trouble in Little China. My biggest issue is just logic issues. And I wish I had the brain that I was able to just shut off my brain and be like, you know, who cares about logic? Just enjoy the movie. Um, 
who cares about the story, who cares about anything. Just try to take anything from the movie. Just try to enjoy it. And right off, like in the beginning of the movie, uh, Kurt Russell plays a, a truck driver, and he's gambling with his friend, um, who is a a restaurant. <sighs> what? All right, folks. Um, just to explain a little bit what happened earlier in this podcast episode, I said that. Uh, my wife called in the middle of the podcast and I said, I bet you my wife's going to call again. I bet you, I guarantee she's going to call again. And I assumed that she was um, that rude of a person, but I was wrong. She's actually ruder because seconds ago, at least according to this podcast, she opened the door while I was recording this commentary podcast for Mortal Kombat 1995. And she stares at me like a fucking banshee. And I'm like, what do you want? And anyway, I... At that moment, I paused the movie. I paused the podcast. I shut everything down. She needed me to drive her somewhere. Um, I don't. I guess we don't have to get into it, but I'm back. I'm back, baby. We're at the movie where um, Sonya Blade just said bullshit. And then Johnny Cage was like, burr, 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 bullshit. Uh, we might be a few seconds off if you're listening, if you're watching along with the movie. Which, now that I think of it about it, I don't think anyone's listening to this at all. Much less watching the more movie along while listening to this podcast. This was a cool sequence in the movie. Um, you know, the music plays and the three heroes are get to fight a bunch of baddies. The fighting's not bad, all right? But let me try to get back to my, what I was saying about Big Trouble in Little China. So Kurt Russell is a truck driver. He's gambling. He's placing a bet with his friend who's a restaurant owner. And the restaurant owner loses a bet, so but he's like, I'll go get you the money, but I need to go somewhere first. And then Kurt Russell doesn't trust him, so he decides to take him to himself. And they go to the airport where, you know, they get involved with these street gangs, I guess. And they kidnap this girl who's the restaurant owner's fiance and Kim Cattrall from Sex in the City and the Mannequin fame get involved. I just thought this movie was weird. And the whole the whole time I was just thinking why does this truck driver know how to fight? Why is he this good with a gun? Why is this restaurant owner owner a a martial arts master. Um, I just, I just wish I could shut off my brain and be like, "Who cares? Just have fun." But I couldn't. I did not like the movie. I just thought it was weird. Um, it's fun to see the 
the guys with the, I would call them rice paddy hats, that was an obvious um, origin for Raiden. And they're like, they shoot electricity out from their hands. That that stuff is fun. And I I can see people enjoying this movie and having fun with it. But I just didn't. Um, just from a pure logic standpoint, like what are these... What are the, how are these guys like super good at fighting? I don't I don't know why. Um, also, um, at the end of the movie, Kurt Russell gets triple back his bet, which is like eleven forty eight times three, and he's telling Kim Cattrall, "I'm gonna sell my truck and retire." Like you can retire on three thousand dollars back then. How much is he gonna get for his truck? The the movie just didn't work on me, unfortunately. I have no interest in watching it again. Um, and I believe Pat and Joe said that they prefer Big Trouble in Little China to um, something something New York, something something LA, which I haven't seen either of those. But if Big Trouble in Little China is better than those other two, then I have no interest in seeing those other two movies. We're at the part in the movie where... Liu Kang is fighting another guy. Um, let Mortal Kombat begin. Um, let's see. I accidentally opened my weekly payments Excel sheet rather than my list of movies that I watched. Um, so in the spirit of watching movies that inspired Mortal Kombat, I also cracked open my Bruce Lee Greatest Hits Criterion Collection set, and I watched Enter the Dragon. Um, Also, I was listening back trying to find my place in the podcast, and you could hear the mouse clicks like a motherfucker, which is such a bummer to me and i apologize if that bothers anyone and i am i imagine if anyone's listening to this it bothers everyone because it's so annoying um uh, maybe i should change mics i'm using this um i think it's the blue yeti um i think it's a condenser mic which maybe if i use the dynamic mic it'll be better more focused um I don't know, but those mouse clicks are inexcusable, and I apologize for that. Enter the dragon. Now you're probably hearing me type, and I'm sorry for that as well. Um, Enter the dragon is 1973. I'm just going to input that into my nifty Excel sheet and put Blu-ray as the source of viewment. Um, so here's the thing about Enter the Dragon. I, I watched it today and it's one of those things where I probably, not probably, I respect and admire it more than I enjoyed it. It, it's similar to like the Superman, um, your soul is mine. So I watched Superman in 2022 two or 2021 whenever it was and you're obviously watching a movie from 1978 
2022 at this point you know marvel is kind of dominating but dc has made movies many movies since so you're watching a, a superhero movie which was like at the forefront of the age of superhero movies i would say and you, you gotta say like superman no way home or spider-man no way home doc strange 2 these movies Pro- might not probably not would not exist if it were not for the efforts done in superman movie in the superman age of movies 1978 and so forth so like i like i admire and respect it um but you you're dealing with older technology lesser budgets so on and so forth so it's same thing with enter the dragon uh i admired and respected it but I just feel like at this point, you know, I didn't grow up on Superman. I didn't grow up on Enter the Dragon. I grew up more on like Jackie Chan movies and I grew up more on on the X-Men movies. So like I respect what it did and I admire all that it did. And it's, you know, looking at the Wikipedia page. Did I just exit it? 1973, directed by Robert Klaus, written by Michael Allen. By the way, we're at the movie where Kano is... got a knife in his hand, and he's going to fight Sonya Blade. The film um, Enter the Dragon stars Bruce Lee, John Saxon, and Jim Kelly. And it is Lee's final completed film appearance before his death on July 20th, 1973, at age 32. Very tragic, very sad, very, um, 32. I, that's so young. So young, that's uh, from Rush Hour. So young. Um, Enter the Dragon is widely regarded as one of the greatest martial arts films of all time. So, like, I, I get that. And it's it's one it's one of those things, like, so many modern martial arts movies might not exist if it were not, if not for Enter the Dragon. Look at this shot in the movie. Uh, um... So like I, I I get I get its influence. It's like what Joe says about the Beatles. Like I respect the influence, but I I don't. He's not a fan of the Beatles. So I watched this movie, and I liked it fine. You know, I liked it fine. And um, I I didn't know that. Right, here's the battle between Johnny Cage and the bad graphics Scorpion. I I had no idea that Bruce Lee's character was supposed to be a Jim a John Jesus Christ a James Bond like character. I didn't really make that connection until watching the special features after the fact. Um in terms of story like if anyone hasn't seen Enter the Dragon basically this mysterious guy is trying to bring over um he's holding this tournament he holds it every three years and it's like 
this really crazy, mysterious tournament on this mysterious island that you have to get there by boat, which makes sense because it's an island. And um, so Jim Kelly gets there. Jim Kelly, who plays Williams, he's like trying to escape two cops that he assaulted. Um, It's all about money. Like these guys need money and they're martial arts masters. Jim Saxon, who I really only know from Nightmare on Elm Street, I think. He's playing golf and these guys go after him. He's like, you need to repay back your money. And he like, watas all all three or four of them. Then he escapes and he goes to Hong Kong. And, um, and that's it. Like they, this, this guy sends Bruce Lee over there as like, you will be our inside man. Um, and you will investigate. We ha- we know everything about this mysterious man, Han, but we have no proof. So Lee is kind of sent over there to investigate. Lee also, his sister was killed by um, one of Han's right-hand men, um, O'Hara or something like that. Uh, stories, in my opinion, not that great. But, you know, Bruce Lee didn't write it. He didn't direct it. But he did do the fight choreography. Here's Johnny Cage and Scorpion fighting in, in hell, I guess. Um, and so, I don't know. I liked it fine. I was looking at some of the special features and... Bruce Lee really wanted to be a big star in the West. And he had made a few big um, movies in China that were big in China, but not in the West. So this, I guess, I don't know if this was the first one, but it was was a a big crack and a big chance for Bruce Lee to make it big in the West. And according to this, it the budget was eight hundred and fifty thousand, and it made over four hundred million, and it was a huge hit. And he never got to see it because he died before this movie was released, which is very sad. Um, I guess the studio or the producers or whoever wasn't sure if the West was ready for an Asian star in in a big movie. So they decided to cast Bruce Lee, a white man, and a black man to try to attract as many fans, as many fan bases as possible. So they cast Bruce Lee, John Saxon, and Jim Kelly. And it it, it kind of works. Um, I wish at the end where they were fighting everyone, I wish Jim Kelly was um, with them. That would have been cool to see the three of them fighting a bunch of goons. But spoiler alert, if you haven't seen 1973 Enter the Dragon, Jim Kelly's character Williams uh, kicks the bucket in the middle of the movie. So he he is unable to fight at the end of the movie. So, all right, here's Johnny Cage. He gets a shield, a convenient shield, and he blocks from Scorpion's fire breath. He grabs an arrow, he hurls it 
at Scorpion. It pierces his sh- arm, shoulder arm. He does a whippity wappa knife cut. His guts come out. Looks pretty cool. He cuts his skull. Um, this scene's cool. Look, it's it has some fun stuff. I, w- I will admit. I just... That dialogue in this movie has really brought it down for me. Uh, th- why? Why did? Why is there an unscathed, to my greatest fan Johnny Cage? Like, was it in his pocket? Why wasn't? Why isn't? Why wasn't it wrinkled or torn as he fought or descended into hell? Like, why is it just unscathed? Um, that was weird to me. Maybe it was. You know, I'm sure it was supposed to be a joke, but. Come on. Come on. Um, so we got Louis Kang and Kitana. Um, what's funny is, um, so Samo, Samo Hung is in Entered the Dragon as well. I believe he's, he, um, He's the one fighting Bruce Lee at the beginning of the movie. Um, he's not listed. Uh, he's listed in the casting. Sammo Hung also has an uncredited role in the opening fight scene against Lee at the start of the film. It says Jackie Chan has an uncredited cameo. I don't think that's the right way to say it at all. Jackie Chan is... He wasn't anybody back then. Maybe he was like a, a big stunt guy, but it's not an uncredited cameo. He was playing a bunch of the goons, a bunch of the like enemy guards that you barely get to see his face. So I don't know why they're trying to make it seem like he had a bigger role in this movie than it was, but it's not an uncredited cameo at all. I'd, I didn't con- think it was. The screenplay title was originally named Blood and Steel. Um, Bruce, on the special features, um, Bruce Lee was known as the Little Dragon. He was the, that was his nickname. He was born in the year of the dragon and his nickname was the Little Dragon. So he wanted this movie to be all about him. So he wanted it to be called Enter the Dragon and the, whatever, the studio producers, whatever, they hated that title because they thought it sounded like a a children's movie and they wanted to make this movie into a franchise like a trilogy of sorts and bruce lee said i refuse to make this trilogy unless you change the name to enter the dragon and um also they 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 talked a little about a little bit about how chinese people criticized for bruce lee because he wanted to teach martial arts to everyone and everyone. And Chinese, you know, the grandmasters were like, you should only teach it to the Chinese. Which, you know, I'm trying to trying to look and think about that in an open mind and an open heart. You have these old guys. Okay, we got Liu Kang fighting Sub-Zero. And... You have these old guys who are kind of stuck in their old ways, and I can understand trying to respect tradition. You know, I, I can understand that, because if that's what you were taught your whole life, 
this is what we were taught. Don't break away from tradition. I get that. And respecting tradition, I can understand that as well. But at the same time, Bruce Lee was like, I don't consider myself Chinese. I don't consider myself American. I consider myself a human being, and I want to bring that to the rest of the world. So he, according to the Special Features interview, Bruce Lee was the one of the first people who taught like black students and people outside of the Chinese culture. And he was criticized for it, but Bruce Lee was like, you know, um, I'm going to teach who, whoever, whenever, who are interested in martial arts. And a lot of people attribute Bruce Lee and perhaps Enter the Dragon for starting MMA. You have um, Asian, white, and black in the same movie who are have different styles, but they're fighting each other. The, you know, the more I talk about this movie, it's... it's the more I really respect what it did and what it, um, especially, of course, what Bruce Lee symbolized. I, I love everything about Bruce Lee. You know, he was a huge influence on Cowboy Bebop and Spike Spiegel and Be Like Water. And you are uh, an ocean one second and then a, a storm torrent the next. So, like, I, I, I love Bruce Lee as a symbol. Um, I wish I knew more about him as a, a human being. And hopefully I get to see some documentaries about him. But Enter the Dragon, it, it was cool. I want to, um, I believe it's movie four in the set, in the box set. I think there's seven movies in the set, the Criterion set. I was a little bummed that I watched the fourth one first, but I'll watch all of them um, eventually. That's all I got for the movie Beat. And then I watched Mortal Kombat. And then now I'm watching it now on the commentary. Now a bunch of guys are falling on rocks for some reason. Um, a lot of them happen to be black for some reason. Um... It's, it was the moment where they're like, now we have let the humans win long enough. Let's fight back. And now Goro's entering in. It's cool that Goro's kind of a puppet animatronic. And um, he did look kind of weird in the new one, in the 2021 Mortal Kombat. Like full-on CG and not great CG, CGI. Um, what else? I w I'll talk about my experience with the game. I, I remember when Mortal Kombat came out, but I was never, I was never, and I was never a big fighting game guy. You know, Street Fighter came out when I was a kid, and it was fun. I, I enjoy playing it then and now, but... I vastly prefer story-based games. Like, that's why I'm a huge Final Fantasy fan. So these games don't really do it for me. And I understand... Like, I purchased Mortal Kombat 11 on my PS5. And I understand that they have um, full-on story modes, which is cool. But 
I'm still, you know, at the end of the day, the 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 base gameplay is fighting, and I'm not good at that, and I'm not. Um, it's just not my type of game. But I still enjoy it casually. You know, I just wouldn't say I'm a hardcore fighting game guy. But I remember when it came out and how they used real people. And I don't know why they didn't continue that trend because it was a pretty cool trend. Um, I was going to look up if it's possible to play that original game and how. Like if it's possible to play it on Switch or PS5. I'm sure it is, or actually, I'm not sure it is. I don't know if it's available. Goro is about to. Oh yeah, they say finish him about eighty billion times in this whole movie, mostly by Shang Tsung. He also says flawless victory um, approximately eighty billion times as well. Um, I, I I get um, referring to the games, but uh, come on, there's got to be a line. Um, so I'm going to filter my Excel sheet, turn that to green. So that's the last one I talked about. Oh man, I, I didn't want to do that. No. Um, flawless victory. This, this villain is good. I liked him in this movie. Um, I'm going to look this movie up on Wikipedia, Mortal Kombat. Now he's eating his soul, and Johnny Cage is going to go, No! Um, so this movie is a 1995 fantasy martial arts action film directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, written by Kevin Droney. Kevin Droney's name is not clickable. Uh, not a good sign. Um, let's look at the cast. Also, I wanted to talk about the character of Raiden because, um, like I mentioned, he was t um, highly influenced from the characters in Big Trouble and Little China. Where is it? I can't find it. Guys, I can't find it. And it, I'm really, I'm really disappointed in myself that I can't find it. Um, Jesus Christ, Raijin, based on the Japanese deity Raijin. Okay, it's, it's it was in the first line. So here's the thing. It's based on the. Um, Japanese mythology, Reijin, the thunder god, also known as Kaminari-sama, Raiden-sama, Na Narukami, Raiku, and Kamowake Ika Ikazuchi no Kami is a god of lightning, thunder, and storms in Japanese mythology and the Shinto religion. So, th so this is obviously a iconic iconography iconography found in Japanese temples and shrines. Um, obviously, deep Japanese history. 
and a huge influence from Big Trouble in Little China of a Chinese of Asian character wearing a, a rice paddy hat. So who do they cast Raiden as in the first um, Mortal Kombat movie? Christopher Lambert, a French-American actor, um, white as fuck. Um, do I necessarily care? Look, I'm not going to say I'm offended by the casting. I'm not going to say it bothers me. Um, I certainly am not going to complain about it on, on social media like a little dipshit. Um, I'm not going to protest anytime soon about the casting of a white man in 1995 Mortal Kombat. Um, who, according to Wikipedia, who else was offered the role? Sean Connery. But he turned it down. Um, does it bother? I think... I just think it would have been cool if it was an Asian dude. That's all I'll really say. Um, if you're going to have a character, a god of thunder, who is based on the Japanese thunder god, I don't know. It would have been cool to have um, an Asian dude in that role. Um, at least they had the um, intelligence to cast an Asian dude as... Liu Kang. Um, so you got Christopher Lambert as Lord Raiden. Robin Shu as Liu Kang. Who who is this guy? He he's a Hong Kong American actor, martial artist, and stuntman. Um, Gobe in Beverly Hills Ninja with Chris Farley. Jeez. Jen in Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li. Haven't seen it yet. 14k in in the death race films um i i haven't i'm not too familiar with his um filmography i thought he was fine in this role um if you're watching along in the movie um shang song is talking to Johnny Cage. Johnny Cage is saying he wants to challenge Goro. Um, let's see who else. Lyndon Ashby as Johnny Cage. You know, I don't, I don't blame. Oh, Raiden's coming in. White Raiden. They should have called him White Raiden. Lord White Raiden. Um. I don't blame him for his portrayal in this movie. I think he was written that way and he was directed that way. Um, and, but his his dialogue is, I think his dialogue is always kind of um, written terribly. Like he's he's the fast talking, kind of sarcastic bastard. He also starred in a movie called Sub-Zero, which I believe is not related to uh, Mortal Kombat at all. Sub-Zero is a 2005 Canadian action film directed by Jim Wynorski under the alias J. Andrews, starring Costas Mandalore, Lyndon Ashby, and Nia Peoples. Um, 
I'm not familiar with this guy either. He played a commander in Iron Man 3, which I bet he was excited about. Iron Man 3 was released nine years ago, which is troubling, to say the least. Um, Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa as Shang Tsung. Um, he's played this character in a bunch Um in this movie, in Mortal Kombat Legacy, and for the 2019 video game Mortal Kombat 11. So he really embraced this character. And he he's good in it. He he brings kind of a, a calm kind of gravitas to the role, I would say. Um, so Goro just crushed uh, Johnny Cage's glasses a few seconds ago. Sorry. Let's dance. It's so, bull right in the balls. Um, I, let's talk about Bridget Wilson for a minute, because Jesus Cristo, Bridget Leanne Wilson Sampras. I know her from <laughs> Billy Madison, of course. Um. She was the love interest in Billy Madison. This, just talking about her makes me want to watch Billy Madison again. Um, Adam Sandler also has a new movie up called Hustle, I think. On Netflix, he plays a an aging basketball coach. Um, I'll probably watch it. You know, every time I watch an Adam Sandler movie, they're never as bad as I think. They always have a few laughs in them, even the worst of them. I mean, I watched Little Nicky, and there's there's some laughs in there, you know. Um, so we 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 usually watch them. We uh, my wife calls him the wedding singer. I don't think she knows his real name, but he's a welcome presence, you know. I think people turned on him over the years, but I think they a lot of people definitely still love him. And he was great in Uncut Gems. Not really my favorite. Um, I liked it fine. It was an intense movie. Goro just fell off the cliff. Um, this is the place where you fall. This is where you fall down. Um, so Bridget... Sam Bridget Wilson was Miss Teen USA in 1990. Or, yeah, I know what she did last summer. House on Haunted Hill, Shop Girl. What is, she's still married to Pete Sampras. Good for you, I guess. I don't know. Maybe he's a dick. Her, According to her filmography on Wikipedia, she was in Phantom Punch in 2008. Um... Maybe she retired in 2008, unfortunately. Um, That sucks. She's listed as a former actress. That's sad. Well, you know, maybe it's her choice. Maybe she wants to focus on her kids. Someone has to. Her likeness, her voiceover and likeness based on her role in the 1995 live-action film were used in Mortal Kombat 11 2020 for a skin pack. So I don't even know if she was, uh, she worked on it. It could have just been archival footage. Um, 
white Raiden. But Bridget Wilson, let's Google image her. Uh, just to, you know, for research purposes. I think it's important for a, an audio podcast that we Google image her. Um, we should move on. Beautiful girl. Um, oh, Talisa Soto. Talisa Soto. Voice just cracked. Another American former actress and former model. Like, she's married to Benjamin Bratt? Um, they have two children. Does this movie just make people retire? They're like, I made it. This is the peak of my career. Let's Google image Talisa Soto. Um, yeah, married to Benjamin Brandt. Congrats, Ben. Congrats, Pete Sampras. Um... All right, we're at the part of the movie where there's a a head in the chest of a skeletal scat statue. Johnny Page, jo- Johnny Cage just said, I, I'm, a, I'm in a hostile environment. I'm completely unprepared. I'm surrounded by people who probably want to kick my ass. It's like being back in high school. Um, Kano. So I don't recognize the rest of this. So, I was thinking, in thinking about this movie, I thought thought about Street Fighter. And I believe his name was um, Steven D'Souza. Let me confirm. Steven E. D'Souza. So, he, um, he had the, what do you call it? Not, f- not foreshadow. For I, for, I don't know the word. But when he wrote the movie, he wrote it really quickly. Okay, now reptile turned human. So when Stephen E. D'Souza wrote Street Fighter, he wrote it really quickly, and he was like, "Let's not make it a tournament." And I. As I mentioned in my commentary for Street Fighter, I I like what they did with that movie. Um, there was no tournament; it was just a bunch of people across the world who came together to, you know, some good guys, some bad guys, and they came together and fought each other. And I, it was a pretty fun movie. I don't really understand the the plot. Of this movie. I mean, I understand the plot. I don't understand what's appealing about the plot. You know, you have this Shang Tsung who's like the ruler of, he's the bad guy. And the bad guys are fighting in this tournament. If you, if they win 10 in a row, then they become rulers of Earth, Earth Realm or something. And, you know, the heroes, the humans of Earthrealm have to beat them and prevent them from 
winning the 10th tournament. Otherwise, Earthrealm will become a hellscape. And I don't know. I just don't think that's... It's weird. It's almost like civilized warfare because they'll have full-on conversations with each other and they're not killing each other. They're like, okay, so we'll schedule we'll schedule in for tomorrow at 2 p.m. We're going to fight. All right? Okay, uh, I'll see you tomorrow. It's just weird. I guess I don't like the tournament aspect of it. That's why I prefer Street Fighter to this. Also, I didn't find the dialogue in Street Fighter to be anywhere near as cringeworthy as this movie. And um, th there are, I wanted, to, I forgot to point out the similarities between this movie and Enter the Dragon. Damn it. I'll just do it now. But so in Enter the Dragon, various people are coming across the world to this mysterious island via a boat. And that's very similar to this. They have to come to a mysterious competition. So they come via a boat. They have all their luggage. Um, I guess this is a move from the games. I don't know what you would call it. A bunch of air kicks. Reptile is tumbling like a little biatch. Um, and so I, I'm just not a big fan of the tournament aspect of this movie. Um, it's just not really interesting or intriguing to me. Um, same thing with the 2021. It's like they keep t talking about this tournament. Like we will breach the borders between heaven and hell and earth. And you have to prevent the bad guys from winning the 10th tournament. I don't know. It's kind of whatever to me, I think. But at the end of the day, that that is the story. That is the premise of the video game. So I guess... If you want to make that into a movie, you have to take that into consideration. But at the same time, they didn't do that for Street Fighter, and I prefer that movie. Um, I don't know. But then if they strayed too much from the story of the game, you'll, you'll have nerds going, Why did they change this? Why didn't they change that? And I'm complaining the other way. Like, why did they keep it a tournament story? Um, I don't know. We are at an hour 16. I'm done with my movie corner. I guess I wanted to talk about this thing. I had a bunch of, I had a couple things I wanted to talk about in case I ran out of things to talk about. So I was on the interwebs the other day. Um you're watching the movie we have bad graphics we're circling around the mysterious island and we're going to close up on hot hot sonia blade jesus christ Aye. um so i was on the interwebs the other day and i had a question about amazon because i work part-time at an amazon warehouse i'm very poor i am drowning in credit card debt please help and so it, it landed me on a, you know, a Reddit place about Amazon fulfillment centers, I think. And someone posted a, a, a twat 
I'm not on Twitter. I hate Twitter. I hate all social media, but I hate Twitter for many reasons. Twitter to me is the worst one. I hate the format. It is terrible. But someone posted a tweet from someone who wrote something to the effect of, I don't care how much money I make. $2,000 for a one-bedroom apartment is way too much. And um, and paying over $6 per gallon is way too much. And the only reason why it happens is because people aren't angry about it and they just accept it and become complicit. Something to that effect. And of course, it gets a bunch of likes, responses, retweets, blah, blah, blah. Here's, here's my thoughts on Twitter. This is why I don't like Twitter. My thought is, well, thank goodness this person tweeted about it. I think the problem is now solved because this person tweeted about it and got a bunch of likes, retweets, and responses. I think the problem is now solved. Um, maybe the president will see her tweet and then proceed to do literally nothing about it. And that that's not a shot at Joe Biden. I think, first of all, I don't think the president is going to see that particular tweet. And if they did, I don't think they would do literally anything about it. So what have what have we accomplished here? By this person posting this tweet, which, you know, I, I even agree with the tweet. But I just think most things said on Twitter, even if they're right, even though I agree with them, even if they're potent, it's just screaming at the wind and the blind guiding the blind. It's how I felt about... Um, uh, you know, or, or during the pandemic when there was a bunch of um, hate uh, crimes against Asians. And they started that hashtag, Stop Asian Hate. Silencing my phone. They started that hashtag, Stop Asian Hate. And my response was, uh, Thank God. Someone started the hashtag Stop Asian Hate just in time. Uh, this country was built, literally built on racism. This country was built with a bunch of white men who thought it was not only morally okay, but legally their right to own black people. But thank Christ, just in time, we got, the, we got a hashtag going. Racism is cured. Um, so we got an epic battle between Liu Kang and Shang Tsung now. Also, what really bothered me is um, briefly when I tried to grow on Twitter around the time that Stop Asian Hate uh, hashtag was going on, I saw an Asian Twitch streamer. I don't, I don't, I don't know their name. I don't know if, um, I don't know who they were. But they were using the Stop Asian Hate hashtag and they tagged a bunch of popular streamers, like popular popular named streamers. And they were like, have you ever collaborated with an Asian streamer, an Asian content creator? 
stop Asian hate. And then this tweet got a lot of attention, got a lot of likes, retweets, and responses. And in my head, I'm like, fuck you. Literally, fuck you. Like, you're using this stop Asian hate to literally grow your career. Like, stop Asian hate, trying to guilt popular streamers into collaborating with you by using the stop Asian hate um, hashtag. Sorry, I was grabbing a tissue. And I think I think people were on that guy's side and they were supporting him. And I'm like, I don't know. I hate people. I hate human behavior. I hate social media. It just bothers me. It just really bothers me. Um the the things that people think they're able to accomplish via social media and in actuality how little they are actually accomplishing it's just mind-boggling to me that's just my opinion you know you're free to disagree with that here's Liu Kang beating up a bunch of guys um and Shang Tsung just kind of watching um I feel like this movie could have benefited from a someone who um, specializes in dialogue. You know, maybe maybe you have someone contribute to the script who's good at action, who's good at setting the scene, blah blah blah. But I feel like this movie could have benefited from a dialogue specialist to work on toning down the cheesiness because that's what really i think brought this movie down i really didn't like that part of it um this could this movie could have been a lot more fun and epic if you take out all the cheese like lines like sonia blade saying there's only one person i trust and you're talking to her and then practically johnny K- every line that comes out of johnny cage's mouth um it, just, it takes me out of the movie and it makes me not enjoy the movie. Um, Shang Tsung just changed into Liu Kang's brother. I don't know if it's little or older brother. Um, this movie also should have only starred Talisa Soto and Bridget Wilson. Um, I probably would have liked that uh, a lot more. Benjamin Brad. Benjamin is a fucking brat. Benjamin Brat is a brat. Um, I recently saw, well, not recently, but a month ago, I saw that animated movie, Mortal Kombat, and I liked how dark it was, but it's it's the same plot. They always go to this mysterious island to do this tournament, and I don't know. I wouldn't mind if they broke away from this tournament plot. Um make something new or maybe they have and i just haven't seen it we're at the an hour 25 minute mark we're going to the 141 we're going we're doing a home run we might be a few seconds off if you're following along with the movie i apologize that i apologize for that um let's look at mortal Kombat annihilation 
Um, Robin Shu reprises his. Um, Robin Shu comes back. Talisa Soto comes back. James Remar plays Raiden, so another white man. Um, Bridget Wilson didn't come back. Sonia Blade, it's someone called Sandra Hess. Um, I gotta be honest, I'm I'm not looking forward to um, watching the sequel. But I think I have to for the podcast. Get over here. So even even in the games, I preferred Street... Like, I f- prefer the classic Street Fighter to the classic Mortal Kombat. And I'm assuming Mortal Kombat has seen more success in the gaming division because Mortal Kombat is up to 11. And Street Fighter is... I think they're working on 6 right now. Um, so... Like I mentioned, I don't have the nostalgia for this movie. I think maybe a lot of fans who like this movie probably saw it when they were a kid and nostalgia is a a heck of a drug, but I don't have it for this movie. Um, But then again, I think even if kids saw the Super Mario Brothers movie as kids, they probably don't like it now. They probably come to their senses. Um, That's not a good movie. Liu Kang. So today I drove my... During my break from the podcast, I drove my wife to a place that she needed to be driven to. And I was very upset. You know what's funny is I was sitting in my car and I was I was already upset because I was in the middle of recording the podcast. And I was thinking... Should I engage or should I just keep my mouth shut and happy wife, happy life? But no, I very carefully calculated what I would say to make sure that she felt guilty about what she was making me do. Flawless victory. And to make sure that I was going to become the winner of this argument. Um, I was careful in what I said to make sure that I ended up the victim and she was the enemy of all who lived. And so I, I really laid it on thick. I was like, I know you might not think that the podcast is important to me, but it's important to me. And I was like, good opening statement, Edmund. Keep going. And then she immediately felt bad. She's like, no, I think it's important. I just, And I'm like, you can drive yourself. Why don't you drive? And she's like, no, I just want da, da, da. Um, <laughs> this is, I know this is terrible. Um, and I know I'm a bad person. I don't really, there's nothing you can do. I'm, I'm incurable at this point. I am old. Look, his brother says one day we will be re- reunited, which is like terrifying. It's like, it means one day you will die and we will join me in the after death. Um, and then, at one point, I told her, like, I live with two women who are perfectly capable of driving themselves, and yet I 
have become their personal chauffeurs. Chauffeurs. I was talking about her and my mom. My mom, I understand she is an old lady. She hasn't driven in many years. So I can understand me having to drive her. But my wife, on the other hand, why can't she drive? Because she's an Asian woman. (laughs) Here's a close-up of Talisa Soto and Bridget Wilson. Um, Everything's going to be okay, guys. Let's go home. Um... Here's a triumphant moment with, for some reason, a bunch of kids waving blue flags. Um, they appear to be in uniform. I guess this is a school. Um, I must have missed that. Here's White Raiden standing. White Raiden is also somewhat of a comic relief in this first movie. Um, in addition to um, Johnny Cage. Didn't have a clue. He also has kind of a weird accent. You humans are so unpredictable. <laughs> um, you guys did great. Um, here comes the uh, freeze frame coming up, which was also at the end of Street Fighter. The Emperor. You weak, pathetic so- fools. I've come for your souls. I don't think so. White Raiden! Oh, it wasn't a freeze frame. My apologies. It might as well have been. Directed by Paul Anderson. Um, not Paul W.S. Anderson. I mean, it's he was listed in the credits as Paul Anderson. Not to be confused with Paul Thomas Anderson. So we did reach the credits of this episode, which is impressive that a person as narcissistic as myself could be able to talk for an hour 40 minutes uh, straight uh it's but i did talk about um i did talk about movies a lot i didn't talk about myself too much i don't think um i'm kind of tired i have work tonight which is always dumb I don't know how people work and survive. You know, I I keep thinking that people go to their dead-end jobs where they're super unhappy. They're overworked and underpaid. And they do it to make not enough money. Their home lives are not good, not good, not great. They have little to no money to spend on anything frivolous, let alone, you know, food or or the other way around. They have little money to buy food, let alone anything frivolous. Um so we work we work our asses off just to survive, not die. And we're not thriving. I don't like there are people out there who are rich who have jobs, like God knows how they obtain those jobs, you know, probably through nepotism. Um, and they make more money than they know what to do with, and they're able to live better lives than us poor people. And, you know, it's easy, easy, easy to say, Edmund, um, you could, why don't you get a better job? 
in my response, you know, I, my mental health is not great. It's just not, um, how am I supposed to get a better job? So let me get a better job where they pay a couple dollars more for me to sit at a job that I hate. Um, and then I'll bring that hatred home to my wife and my family. And I can't enjoy my weekends because I know Monday is coming. This is life. This is existence. To live is to cry. To live is to die. To live is to suffer. Um, I can't think of anything else to talk about. This is usually where uh, Pat and Joe end the podcast. Once they reach the credits, they're like, um, thanks for listening to the podcast. So I'm probably going to end it here. Um, Father's Day is tomorrow. So... Um, happy Father's Day to my father and my father alone because he's my father. And you should say Happy Father's Day to your father and your father alone because that's what a good child would do. Anyway, um, thank you for listening. If you like Final Fantasy VII videos, please check out youtube.com slash odd drummer gaming if you like drums and video games please check out youtube.com slash drumj8 you know i posted a video to my youtube channel for final fantasy 7 videos because i took like a three-week break just from being tired and unmotivated but i did watch that recent 10-minute event where they announced some things for the final fantasy 7 anniversary celebration Put out a video, it has 34 views. Um, not great, but I want to I want to be appreciative because that's 30 um, supposedly 34 people who came and took the time to watch my video. Maybe not all the way through, maybe just five seconds, but they did click on it, maybe accidentally, but I want to be appreciative whether it's a thousand views, whether it's 30 views, whether it's two views. So thank you if you have watched that video. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I hope everyone's doing okay. I hope everything, everyone's doing well. I hope this podcast episode finds you well. Take care of yourself. Take care of your friends and family. Take care of your pets. I hope your pets are well and thriving. Um, thank you for listening. Say hi to your pets for me. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you. Bye.